we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waters where we're recording from, the Waramai and Wanarua peoples. We acknowledge the Waramai and Wanarua elders, both past and present. on the field for the Newcastle Knights. Darren Tracy's first touch of the footy. Now Andrew John. Strikes a little hole himself. He's close. Right. He reaches out. That's a try to Andrew John. Bruce Street from the little halfback. And that's a good reward for a great game. It is debut match for the Newcastle Knights in first grade. Andrew John scores the try and that should wrap it up for the night. Coming to you live from Warramai and Wanarua Lands is the Bay 53 podcast, part of the Sports Best Friends Network with your friends Bretto and the K-Dog. And baby, you better believe it. Footy is so close, we can taste it. And what better time to talk all things rugby league, but more importantly, all things the Newcastle Knights, than on the most hallowed of hallowed days. That's right, TLT, Team List Tuesday. So... Sit back, relax, and let us soothe your soul with the sweet sounds of rugby league punditry as the Bay 53 podcast kicks off the NRL 2023 season. Bretto, the teams have dropped. We're two days away from kickoff. You can smell footy fever in the air. We've probably been able to smell it for a while, but um, it's really pungent at the moment. It's just the aroma is everywhere. I can just smell liniment. I've got liniment in the nostrils. It's, it's <laughs> glorious, glorious. Mate, Team List Tuesday, you know, we've got we've got 16 teams named uh, today. Well, the Dragons obviously missed out. Before we get to Team List Tuesday, um, there's still no CBA. Will the season kick off on Thursday night? Yes, I think it will. I think I think they're at the point where the players are happy enough to play, but they're only ironing out the the uh, the final details. So uh, we're ironing out details, right? So because we've had a few announcements this this um, you know over the past few months of the media going off a bit early, trying to sort of well, maybe strong arm the players into agree, but the media have said you know. There's been a peace deal. We we've got a deal now. We're just so yeah. It is just details. You reckon that are being ironed out? Yeah, because this time the the uh, RLPA didn't come out and just say no, that's bullshit. Whether yeah. which they have been. So I think yeah, I think they're pretty close. Hey, perhaps more importantly, particularly for the Newcastle Knights these days, is that a landmark deal was made for the women's game. Um, Huge news, you know, not only for the Newcastle Knights, but for women's rugby league in general. Uh, bigger pay deal, probably still not where we want it to be, um, but also, you know, they want to expand the league in the next few years. So the women's, the NRLW just keeps going from strength to strength. Yeah, I think it's a really fair deal. Yeah, it's not quite where we want to be in terms of pay, but it's that's enough to make them professional. Yeah. Make, you know, the, even the girls in the bottom rungs are enough to be, Semi-professional still, but where they, you know, taking big chunks of time off off work won't won't cripple them financially, which is, which is, you know, it's not the men weren't long ago. They were like that too, you know. The bottom rung, those guys struggled to uh, to pay the bills, but yeah, and, uh, and as the, the um it ratchets up each year, I think by the time we get to year three or four of the deal, it's um yeah, it's a pretty good deal for the girls. Really long season is gonna it's going to be in a couple of years, as you said, expansion of teams. The standard's incredible. I've caught a couple of um, games from the um, the Tasha Gale 
that they've had on New South Wales Rugby League Facebook page. And, wow, that's a really high standard competition. Some of those girls will just walk into teams this year. You've never heard of them. Mm. So I'm just having a look at uh, some of the details now. Uh, Alicia Newton does great work on uh, NRL.com. Yeah, but, you don't follow uh, her. You don't follow her. Get, get, follow her on everything, all the socials. Follow her. She's outstanding. Yeah, 100%. So uh, minimum $30,000 um, deals for this season, which, again, as you said, it's probably not at that stage of full-time professionalism, but it still gives that that sort of buffer. Um, that'll ratchet up to $50,000 minimum in four years' time. Um, but it's going to be a $1.5 million cap by the 2027 season. And again, like we said, that sort of uh, that leads to expansion, more teams, more women playing the game. And from what you know, from what we've seen, the quality's there. Like it's um, it's it's time to get behind uh, the NRLW. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, you know, I hope it gets to the point where it is its own separate competition, so it's not you know double headers and whatnot, that sort of stuff. Where the you know the girls do have their home grounds, and it might be the big NRL stadiums. You know, it might be the smaller suburban grounds, but it'd be yeah, it'd be great to you know have their own competition. Just on the nights, uh, Peter Parr didn't waste any time making comment on it um, when, it, when it was sort of first announced. And we're going a couple of weeks back now. I think it was announced just after we first recorded. He was pretty bullish. He was like, look, we, we're expecting to um, get some uh, some of our female players signed up, uh, hopefully announced soon. Um, you and I have always, like for the last six months, we've always been fairly clear. It's, it's the two Southwell girls, Millie, Caitlin and Tamika, they're the five that that are the high priority that you keep building that team around. Yeah, and I think the only one of those there is any doubt at all around would be Tamika. I think the other the other four are all locked in, done, no no issue. And Tamika's probably, I'd say, probably seventy five percent good, but she's the only one to be any doubt around. I'm I'm gonna go, you know, glass 90% full uh, on that one. I, I reckon I reckon she's actually probably one of the more confirmed. I, I think um, she loves Newcastle. She's made it her home. I'd be very surprised uh, if the Knights were going, weren't going to give her a, a deal that, would, you know, would meet her expectations. So um, my, my only thing is the Knights, they, they obviously have to give Millie a, a good chunk too. And can one of the new clubs just come in and throw, like, they're, both their amounts of... Um, their top tier players, you know, instead of having two girls, can they throw it all at Tamika just to have that big splash? That that'd be the doubt for me. No, and I look, I absolutely think that's fair enough. Um, I think the re, I mean, Tamika, how old is she now? 26, 27? So, so she's twenty five. I yeah. still think she could, you know, happily take. Uh, you know, I don't want to say le- less than what other clubs might be o- be offering, but you know what I mean? I think she could be saying to the Knights, look, just give me something that we both agree is reasonable for now. For at least two years, she'll be hitting her prime in 27. Um, by then, we'll have a better idea of what the league is doing. But to, I, yeah, I, I just get the impression that she's, um, she's so happy in Newcastle, she's not in the mood for another move again. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably back her to sign a two-year deal now that she'll get a huge deal after that. And, yeah. the Knights, and the Knights probably won't have the money then to sign on a big deal because Jesse Southwell will be hitting the point where, you know, that girl will be getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> Just on Jesse, um, what are your expectations for her this year? And, and I know we're sort of getting a bit ahead of ourselves because the, the NRLW won't kick off for a few months. But the reason I sort of say that is – what we saw of Jessie Southwell in the seven seven games she played last year was just started with this flourish, this absolute bang in her first game. And I'm not going to say she sort of underperformed after that. She absolutely did not. 
But what we saw was a more controlled, measured Jessie who was dealing with opponents who were ready for her. You kind of got the impression that she she played Brisbane and they were just completely unaware. They did not expect what she had. So she learned how to play against teams that were anticipating her to turn it on. So she played a much more measured role. When you're, you know, an 18-year-old footballer still learning, what do you do to, I guess, overcome that second-year syndrome? What What is she need to be looking at to really not just maintain that standard but take that next step up again this year? I actually think that the standard she played at the back end of the year actually is the good sign for this year because she she hasn't just had this year where it's all gone to play, you know. She didn't just play spectacularly, all the tricks and whatnot that no one knew about, and she got through the whole year on that. She had to grind it out come come the back end of the year, and that'll – leader into you know a great standing for this year because she knows how to grind out a season and this is going to be a little bit longer um yeah I, I really think that the back of that year will throw her into this year like ready to go and then once she gets comfortable i don't think she's quite comfortable at, this, at the level yet and once she gets comfortable then we'll see you know going from star young player to best half back in the game and in the two and two or three years probably the best player in the world it's funny because because like, for me, um, the two plays that sort of encapsulated Jesse's season uh, last year, they bookended her season. So obviously that that break um, that set up the set up a try in the in the home opener, and it was like it was just this phenomenal sort of. I mean, even the try that she scored, but just that break and that pace and that. That, that calmness to um, set that try up in that first game. That was, that was the highlight of the season. But the second highlight for me is almost in a lot of ways the exact opposite. The, um, the try assist that she gave to um, uh, Romy Teitzel in the grand final. And the reason, that, like, they're, they're, they're such big highlights, but they're just two completely different plays because that first one is just, you know, that Andrew Johns sort of mesmerising, you know, dart, cut, pace, perfect putt. But... In a grand final, when you know you, you just want to be making sure that you're doing the simple things as perfectly as you possibly can, like just that perfectly weighted and timed pass to um, send Romy through, you know, in, over the try line. You, you know what I mean? Like they're two completely different plays, but they just sort of sum up just how good she was last season. And that sort of goes a lot with what you've sort of said there is that yeah, she she realised that she didn't need to rely on the flair to win games. And, um, yeah, it bodes well for this season. Yeah, absolutely. That, and you're right. The grand final was such a controlled performance for a, a player so young. like 17-year-old. Yeah, yeah, like a, a, yeah, if you, a high schooler. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you got that out of, you know, out of a, um, you know, a, a Gillaroo, you'd go, well, that's that's great. That's exactly what a halfback should do in a big game. Control the game, put the plays on as they were needed. As you said, had the finishing touches at the right times. Just... Like it's it's unbelievable how good she could be. I, I I can't even think about you know how good she could be. And as I said, and she's at that like she's at the age where like those Tasha Gale girls I was talking about, they're at that sort of 17, 18 year old age group too. And there's a and you know and Jessie's the standout of that age group. But there's a lot of girls with the you know, incredible talent across the competition. So I think that you know Jessie's going to be yeah, as I said, two or three years time the best player in the world. But there's a lot of girls that are going to lift the standard below her to, you know, to the point where you look at them and go, well, this is as good as the men's in terms of TV entertainment. We, as football 
fans, we love it. You know, we love the standard of the girls' game. But in terms of just general public entertainment on the TV, in three or four years' time, the girls will be everything the men are. Um, last thing on the NRLW in 2023, at least for, for, for tonight or for this episode, a, a nine-week season, fantastic. It's only two-week final series. I, yeah, I, disappointing. I thought there was – I really thought there was finally room there. Uh, ten teams, top five, four-week no, – old, yeah. school, old school top five. Yeah, yeah. it was just it was just such an, a, a, an ample opportunity. And, I mean, particularly with the – the CBA that's sort of come out, you'd think that there's the financial remuneration there to at least, um, you know, support that extra two weeks so that you have, you know, 13, 14 week comp because, and you know, last year was, was fantastic. And this year is going to be great as well. I've got no doubt about it, but you still sort of just get that little inkling about, I don't know, there's, there's that criticism about, Oh, it's not a real season, which it obviously is. But there was just such a great opportunity there for a top five four week final season. I'd be uh, serious. I'd be curious to know what the thinking was um, around not going down that path. Yeah, and you know, and half the teams make the finals as you know as well. Doc quite the men's now. The men's have seventeen, but it's how yeah, the men's are always half the teams make the finals. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Like you go from four teams out of six making it to four out of ten. Yes. Um, now. Before the finals last year, we'd make the argument, well, Parramatta were awful and they, you know, they finished fourth and that's an indication of, you know, we shouldn't have more than, you know, half the teams making finals. But in the end, Parramatta were the grand finalists, you know, so it showed that the competition was still really even. Yeah. The minor premiers, you know, didn't didn't, didn't get through. So, yeah, I, I don't get it. There's obviously a reason behind it. They wouldn't just make that decision willy-nilly. But, um, yeah, no, I, I think it's disappointing. An old school top five would have been great. Mate. Uh, and get get I get arm patches get 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 shoulder pads pads on get the arm patches on Grand Final day paint the ingalls red let's go old school. <laughs> uh, how did it have it at the SFS? Do you reckon? I mean they they've built that back up so um, um... absolutely. But instead of putting you know but don't have that all that modern stuff you know have an old school SFS things got to leak and nothing works and the, and the toilets stink you know let's go let's go proper old school. You know what I'd really kill for for old school is um, uh, beers in a can for two dollars each. There, we, that's that's my shout out to the NRL. You do that, you'll fill your stadium. <laughs> um, yeah, but I'll, I'll also die, so I'm not. Really... <laughs> <laughs> True, but what a way to go! Absolutely. All right, um, Teamless Tuesday, mate. Foot the men's game. The men's season is back. Um, it's back with a vengeance. Uh, the teams hit the um, the airways today, as it were. Um, let's. I mean, what do you want to talk about first, mate? Do you want to do you, do you want to talk about the teams general? Or are we just going to dive feet first straight into the joy that is the Newcastle Knights? I'm, I'm throwing the throwing it open to you. I'll just say quickly one thing as an overview. There's a lot of there's a lot of big players in this week. A lot of teams are being very cautious. Um, yeah, no, there's a lot of there's a lot of big names missing from right across the competition. So it's going to be an interesting week, really hard week for tipping, as round one always is. But yeah, there's a lot of teams like Melbourne who haven't lost in round one in 20 years. They've got about eight or nine on their injury list. They're playing people that you know were playing in far north Queensland last year in their outside backs. Um, yeah, no, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting round one. I'm going to throw a hot, a, a steaming hot take straight out at you from the get go. I think this is 
the, I think this is the weakest talent pool of, of 16 teams we've seen for round one in years, possibly in, in my living memory. I... Um, I, I just think, yeah, I, I don't know if it's a combination of injuries, retirements, uh, you know, an extra team. I don't know what it is, but I just think that this is one of the – it's one of the weakest um, men's uh, team lists I, I, I've seen. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I'd call it weak, but I don't disagree with you. I said to someone a few weeks ago that there's a real changing of the guard in the NRL. Like, there have been a lot of big yeah, okay. retirements. A lot yep. of big name retirements. There's a lot of kids because of the way the, the NRL has gotten. Coaches have got more conservative, I think, where they don't play kids. You know, there are a lot of a lot of kids don't get played. You know, when they would have used to be thrown into first grade. So a lot of guys now that are 22, 23 with huge reputations, they haven't played first grade yet. Yeah. So so it's um yeah it's gonna you're you're right definitely a changing of the guard. But I think you know the talent talent's always there. But yeah no the in terms of recognisable names there's a lot that you know you couldn't hit with a dartboard. Can I? It's really funny that you say that, mate. And I'm always mindful of this. You've used an interesting phrase there. The talent's always there. I remember 20 years ago when Super League was going to end the NRL in Australia, um, which now is is really laughable when you think about it. But but it's you cannot understate it that the money that was on offer in the UK uh, at the time 20 years ago was seen as a legitimate threat to the um, the viability of the NRL as a premier competition, uh, not only in Australia, in the world, but certainly in Australia. But I'll never forget this. I'll never forget. Matty John said at the time, he says, we keep saying the talent will be there to fill, you know, the superstars who are leaving earlier to go overseas. So we, we can't we can't keep relying on that. There's got to be another uh, strategy in place to keep the ta- keep the comp at a high performing level um, because you can't just say, oh, well, one guy goes, we'll find another talent because that won't always be the case. But do you think that is the case? Do you think rugby league is a game that caters to superstars, to creating superstars, and it'll just keep producing talent? I think... I think at the moment, yes, the the crop we've got at the moment. There's, but I think that we will actually have a real dearth of talent in four or five years' time because of the lack of funding has been put into the junior competitions. Yeah, agreed. No, I absolutely agree with that. I, I think that we're still at the back end of you know the golden the golden year of rugby league. I still think you know all the money that flowed through rugby league throughout the you know the noughties and then the tens um, is still that talent still coming through. But I really think there's a real a real hole in the talent pool. Um, yeah, coming coming down the pipe if we don't fix it real fast. Because we see it all the time. How many sort of uh, country rugby league teams do you hear just folding? I mean, the, the one that comes to mind is the, is the Gyra Super Spuds, which I'm loath to mention because that was my ex-wife's team. But be that as it may, um, you know, they, they on, on their 100th year, they said, well, we can't field the team. We, we, we have to fold. We can't field the team this year because they couldn't get numbers. Like, that is... That's certainly a canary in the coal mine moment. And I, I do agree with you that I don't get the feeling that the NRL, who want to – the NRL are funny because they want to make themselves out to be the people that govern World Rugby League. Okay, but they don't ever do anything for Rugby League other than the 16-team comp that um, brings in the te- television revenue. But you, you do get the feeling that they're really not interested in doing that much to make sure that – that pipeline that keeps creating the talent that goes into your 16 teams is, you know, funded to produce that talent? Yeah, see, but I'm not, I don't believe that the, the country rugby – country rugby league needs more money, but I don't think that will make much difference. The fact that country rugby league clubs are dying is just modern society. 
Country country mm. towns are dying, and people that are selling country towns have to work their backsides off. They don't have time to play rugby league. So I, I think country league, rugby league is dying because the country is dying. Um, I think that the issue is that we're not putting enough money. We're not putting enough money into into the into the islands, into New Zealand, those sorts of things. I think that's where the neck where our talent comes from. If we if we were finding our game properly, Australia won't be the best rugby league team in twenty years time. Hang on, hang on. Let's, let's let's just take a moment. Let's um, I'm I'm putting in a call to Andrew Abdo as we speak. Do, 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 do. And, and, Andrew, mate, I'm I'm going to put you on speaker. Bredo's he's going to save the game. Bredo, take take over. The the talent the talent that rugby league will survive on. You know the the huge names, the big stars, will be Pacifica players because of because of the. The natural physical talents, yes, but because those guys come from poverty and they will come to Australia for an opportunity, so they will play rugby league and live on you know their mates' couch to play rugby league because that's how they live their lives. The Australian type, you know, country rugby league football, football that sort of thing, those guys work. You know, they they're farmers, they're miners. You know, they work in the country towns. Or they go to flash school, or they come to town and go to flash schools in Sydney and become rugby players. You know, we can keep stealing rugby players, but I, but I'm also of the belief that rugby will have a resurgence because you know the banks control the country and the banks control those schools. Um, but I think that if rugby league is as big as it is now in 20 years' time, Australia won't be the best team in the world and may not be in the top two or three. I think that I think the rugby league is run properly. New Zealand will be the All Blacks. Like the All, they'll be they'll be dominant. I'm just I'm just processing what you've said. I don't I, I don't I don't disagree. Uh, probably because I haven't thought enough of it through. I, I definitely agree with what you say that if the game was run properly, um, Australia shouldn't be the number one team in the world. I think they're still always going to be number two or th- in the top two or three, if only because. We know historically that rugby league won't be run properly, and so there'll always, unfortunately, be that financial um, focus that goes domestically in Australia. We did, you and I did a, a post on Twitter um, at Bay Fifty Three Pod. Um, the the, AR, the ARLC, who are obviously trying to not promote how much money they have because they don't want to give any of it to the players, uh, sent out though their annual sort of um, report. Stating this, you know, I, th- I think they've got what was it, six hundred million dollars in in revenue for, for the for the twenty two um, calendar year, calendar year or financial year. Anyway, uh, that post got and we that post got picked up by a rugby league fan uh, in the UK, and he quote tweeted us and he said, um, "There, therein lies the difference between the northern and the southern hemisphere rugby league worlds." He said, "Rugby league in in England." which for all intents and purposes really is the Northern Hemisphere game. Like they, they can't even pretend to wish or to dream to get that amount of money. So I think, unfortunately, there's always going to be that financial focus in Australia just because that's the way the system's currently built. And I don't see another, um, uh, not revolution, but you know, a Super League War style where you're going to change that structure. But I do agree with you that if the game was run properly, you're right. They, they would see these avenues um, outside of Australia to bring in the talent to grow the game. See what and what I'm kind of I'm kind of getting at the point where um, 
ice hockey is a very very big example. You know, the majority of the talent in the NHL comes from Europe and comes from Canada. But the NHL from Canada has won the Stanley Cup in nearly thirty years, I think, because the talent because the the talent gets spread across the competition. It doesn't matter where it's produced, it gets spread across the competition. And I think that just like the US hockey teams draft and import overseas talent, that's what the Australian teams will do. Because the talent won't come out of Australia, it won't come out of the country. It'll come it'll come out of the islands, it'll come out of New Zealand, you know, it might even come out of um, you know, South Africa at some stage in parts of Africa. Um I think the country rugby league and English rugby league have the same issue. That economics just makes their competition yeah. unviable. Yep. And what and and what starts to happen there? I can't really speak too much for country rugby league, but certainly the impression I get with the English Super League is that what happens there is that when you start to see your patch potentially getting smaller, you become very inward looking, you become very insular and protective, protectionist. So you don't want to expand when expanding is really probably the only way they're going to save the game in rugby league in England. But because they're so fearful of what their each club is individually going to lose. That's why you see, you know, oh, we're going to cut loose the the wolf pack. Oh, we're not going to give any more support to French rugby league than we have to. Um, and be- you become insular and inward looking. And as you said, they're insular and inward looking in an economic area that's not getting any bigger. Um, yeah, it's probably going to result in their detriment. I will say this. Uh, the faith I do have that rugby league in Australia, though, will be smart enough to look elsewhere to grow is that w- with that financial backing, Clubs we know will do anything to win. And if they yeah. think that there is an opportunity off their own bat to go and source talent elsewhere, they'll do it for two reasons. One, they want to win, but two, they'll do it where they can where they can do it cheaper than anywhere else. And I think that See, would I, provide I, that I, opportunity. I, I, I disagree in terms of when you said clubs do anything to win. I think clubs do anything to make money. The, uh, the Dolphins have purely got that licence because – they thought that the Dolphins were financially the strongest and they would be able to provide the most money for the Sydney clubs. Yeah, fair. There's no advantage in rugby league for the Dolphins getting that licence. It does not bring one new fan to the game. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I forgot for a, a, a nanosecond that I support the Newcastle Knights and they don't do everything to win. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you're, yeah you're absolutely right there. Um well, we've sort of gone off a bit uh, – we've gone off topic a little bit. A great conversation, though. It's sort of um, – you know, I, I think – because you and I are very funny when it comes to the genius of rugby league. I, I personally love rugby league to the extent that I think it should be the number one sport in the world, but I've sort of given up on the fact that that's ever going to happen because, you know, by now if it's not going to happen, it's just not going to happen. And I think you sort of agree with that, but more to the extent that the international game – is a bit of a, a sort of um, little encapsulation of rugby league in that, well, it's just, a, it's, it's never been looked after. It's such a poor standard. That ship has sailed. So really all you can rely on now is to strengthen where you can the two professional competitions that you can to the best of your ability. Yeah, absolutely. Rug- rugby league needs to be really careful too. It doesn't go down the path of rugby where all the big countries steal all the talent from the smaller countries. Uh, the, the the fact that England, the All Blacks, Australia are all full of Pacifica players is an embarrassment of the game of rugby. 
the fact yep. that like those Pacific teams get belted every every international tournament, every World Cup, because all their best players play for the big nations is ridiculous. If it wasn't for that talent, the All Blacks would be sixty percent as good as they are now. If they lost all their their you know their Samoan, Tongan, Fijian talent, England would be really poor. Um, even like countries like Ireland now have, have Pacifica players because they go there to play professionally and live a lot there long enough to become eligible. Um, rugby rugby league needs to stop that happening. Um, this idea where guys that have never, you know, have, have never um, have any association with Australia other than the fact that they now play rugby league here and have lived here for quite a while means they play for Australia. I, I think that's really poor. Um, the, the only way rugby league will grow is if we actually make the smaller nations as strong as they can be. You are listening to the Bay 53 podcast. Hey, um, this is sort of related. I can't remember if we spoke about it. Did I mention much about my trip to Ireland on the Christmas episode? I def- we definitely didn't talk much about it on the preseason episode. I, Because I, um, as you mentioned, I was uh, I got to... Uh, go over to Ireland for a couple of weeks during the Rugby League World Cup. And I was chatting uh, with um, a, a bloke that I met over there and we were talking about rugby. You know, Irish, mad rugby fan. You know, I just sort of took it t- took it for granted and we were sort of talking. And, um, and one interesting thing that came out of that conversation was that he pointed out to me that rugby union is only the fourth most popular sport in Ireland. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. So um, Gaelic football, which I'm pretty sure is number one. Yeah, which, yeah. Which, but that surprised me because I would have thought hurling. If, if it's not going to be rugby, I thought hurling would be number one. But you, I think you, you, you got to remember. But when it comes to spectator sports, the sports with the with the big ball that you can see easily from the from the stands and people tackling each other, that's the way it's going to be number one. No, hundred percent. Yeah, and that that obviously makes sense. I was probably more uh, uh, guided by my other half's opinion. Where, where when she talks about sport in Ireland, it's always hurling. She always goes straight to hurling. And, you know, I love going to a hurling um, uh, game and, and this and that. So, uh, but it's anyway, can't get cricket. Hurling can get cricket. <laughs> Irish kanga cricket. Anyway, so yeah. um, uh, Gaelic football, hurling, and then football, soccer comes in at number three. Yeah. So, yeah. so even soccer is bigger than rugby in Ireland, but yet Ireland, with with their fourth most popular game, are still able to put a, t- a, a national team on the park that is number one in the world and will compete in the World Cup every every four years. And I just thought that was a remarkable insight. Yeah, it's where the money is. It's, it's the same reason why rugby is bigger in Australia in, to, in terms of like our standing in rugby is bigger than our participation in rugby because that's where the money is. And in and in Ireland, all the, all their big sporting clubs are their rugby clubs. Yeah, it's because like, it's actually really funny that you should say that because Leinster, Leinster Rugby, like they're one of the big yeah, – they're probably one of the stuff. biggest clubs across codes. Yeah. Yeah. In all of Europe, um, and they reside in um, in Ireland. But I think it's also interesting as well is that I think it says a lot about that Irish mentality is that you, you obviously need financial support to um, to to be competitive. A professional sport, that's the way it works. But I think it says a, a lot about the Irish mentality, whereas that they still got that very sort of community communal. Um, fight for your where you come from mentality when they play, and that's in any sport, and that's why you do find that they tend to punch above their weight. Certainly in in rugby union, but even in soccer, even in soccer as well, because their women's foot national football team has qualified for the 
FIFA Women's World Cup in Australia in a, in a couple of months' time. And it, it's just a shame, and this is going to be my segue back into the Newcastle Knights, is that it's, it is it is a shame in a lot of ways that Newcastle Knights have, have, and Rugby League maybe to a certain degree has lost that mentality because, yeah, when you do think about the Newcastle Knights teams of the late 90s, the early 2000s, and I was and I was listening to Joey's podcast on the Howie podcast over the weekend. The first time I'd listened to it, and you could you could hear the emotion. It's it's not put on. It is genuine, just um, prideful emotion uh, emotion in his voice when he talks about what it meant to him to pull on the jersey for the Newcastle Knights to represent his region. Yeah, like that. You're right. In, in, in terms of our club, but that's what's gone away. Those don't like everyone screams local juniors, but our local juniors don't die for the jersey like that. Yes, yeah, that's like, exactly you know, right. Yeah, we've we, we we still produce the talent, and but there's a how many good juniors have we seen come through, get to first grade, and just be meh, you know? And it's, they just don't find they just don't find a leg. Like our 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 mediocre juniors used to be good first graders because they'd get to first grade, pull on the Knights jersey, play at Marathon Stadium, and they were ten feet tall. Mm. Now, now our guys start at ten feet tall. They get to first grade, and they turn to three foot tall as soon as they run out in front of you know in front of a big crowd at home. It's um, it's infuriating. But that, but that's our issue. Like the reason why Penrith are dominant. Yeah, Penrith got a great team, but that team is mostly locally based, and all they all those boys ever talk about is being from Mount Druitt, you know, and and those sort of places because that's that's their home. Western Sydney is what they die for, and that's you know, and that's what Penrith have tapped into, and and that's why Penrith are, are what they are, where they you know they make grand finals in every single grade. Bruno, let's jump into the first teamless Tuesday for the Knights uh, men's team in 2023, at least for the competition proper. Um, let's look at the 17 players that are going to go out there this weekend and die for playing for the Newcastle Knights. Um, in Wellington, of all places. Yeah, in Wellington. So I, I actually think that gives us an advantage yep. because we don't play well in Auckland. So the Warriors, are all, the Warriors are awful in New Zealand outside of Auckland. Well, look, I, as a rule, when it comes to the Knights, I never try to rely on other teams' <laughs> hoodoos. <laughs> I try to make sure that we've got our covered, ours covered first before we even worry about what other what the what, what other teams are doing. So I like to think that Auckland owes us because they stole Tanaru Munger off us. <laughs> Sorry, Wellington office. So I think the Wellington, the Wellington vibes are going to hit us. We're going to get those Tanaru Munger pay, payback vibes. Oh, it's basically a home game for the Knights. Ab ab absolutely, absolutely. Right. Um, there weren't too many surprises in the team, but there certainly was two surprises that you and I picked up on immediately. Lockie, so we'll, we'll go through the Knights. Lachlan Miller at number one. For me, this is the first surprise of the two, and they're both on an uh, on the left edge. Yeah, left edge. Yeah, yeah, left, yeah. Hunt on the wing and Inari Tuala, number three. Inari no, 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 be on the right because Brady's on the left. Inari be on the right. Oh, of course. Yeah, no, of course. All right. Yeah, no, the numbers, they always... Yeah. The, the, what is it with... Yeah, because Bradford has to wear the fork. He has Do to we know what run. that is? Where does that come from? Why? He obviously, that... It's obviously... He, he used to wear it in Blue's Origin too, so it's obviously just his favourite number. Yeah, right. Uh, um, so that means Anari is going to be defending inside Dom Young. Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, mate, that spells trouble. That just spells trouble to me. Yeah, I'm yeah, so like sorry. Just, yeah, yeah. There's that is um, oh, I mean, that's the the worry. The worries aren't um, 
blessed with massive amounts of outside back talent. Yeah, true. But my lord, Sean Johnson and Tamari Martin throwing cutouts to their wingers really scares me. <laughs> Bradman Best, Dom, Dom Young. There's they're really no surprises in this. Uh, KP captain at number six. Uh, my preseason prediction um, didn't fall. Uh, follow through i thought when kp was uh, announcing his um press conference i thought that'd be one of the things i thought that he's look i've decided to step away from the captaincy to focus on but no K- kp has maintained the captaincy hastings at seven you've got sofidi braley sofidi frizzell lachlan fitzgibbon look this isn't a surprise but it remains a disappointment kurt mann at number 13 i think the bench is an interesting one uh crossland elliot hetherington who we haven't seen yet and Leo Thompson, number 17. Bredo, is that the strongest possible 17 that we could name for round one? No. Yeah, it's, it's not. The first thing I'm going to ask is where what's happened to Greg Marshu? Because he's not playing reserve grade this weekend either. No, like I thought, I assumed he was injured because he was not, not named reserve grade or anywhere in the squad in first grade. And some guys that were named like uh, Bla- uh, Bailey and Lucas were in the you know the extended squad and then named in reserve grade. So I, th- I thought, oh, Mars, you must be injured. But he's not listed on any injury report. Unless he, maybe, he could have got injured today at training, for all we know. Yep. And they just haven't updated that. But he's not listed as injured, but you would you would have to think he's injured. Or he would have been in one of those grades. Because if, if they don't think he was good enough for first grade, surely if he's fit, he's playing reserve grade. Because he played the trial games. Well, you just assume he played in the reserve ground because, like, there was such a big deal to bring him in, and he—I thought he played well enough against the Eels. He didn't set the world on fire, but he—he he, he delivered what he was brought to do, which was those big runs out of defence. Um, so you, yeah, you're right. You'd think, well, no, we don't think you're ready for first grade yet. Keep getting the miles on the board um, in reserve grade, but yeah, he's, he's not—he's not playing anywhere this weekend, so. Uh, time will tell on that and they, one. And they play in New Zealand too, so we'll know. You know, we may this at some stage here, you know, getting on a plane, but and play reserve grade. But yeah, no, he's not named anywhere. Mate, if I'm being honest, like the back, uh, the outside backs, Heimel, Inari, Bradman, Dom. I mean, they're probably the most surprising of them all, if only because well, Heimel's back and he's back from the dead. Because for us, he was. He was sort of that third, fourth choice winger. Um, Inari in the centres, and you and I were talking before we pressed record, like Inari in the centres just spells disaster for us uh, as spectators over the last two two years. Uh, I mean, Bradman at four, you know, he showed enough in the trials, but again, even the way he finished last season, you just weren't too sure. And of course, Dom Young uh, announced, well, he hasn't announced, but certainly... Peter Parr has let it known. Have the Roosters announced Dom Young yet? No. no. Yeah, no. So nothing's been officially announced, but he's leaving at the end of the year. So there was some uncertainty as to whether or not he'd be maintained in first grade. So those those two centres, two wing positions, are probably the the bigger surprises of the of the Knights. um, Certainly the starting thirteen. Yeah, the Inari ones. That's just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not even going to go there. We've all seen it. Anari cannot play centre in the year 2023. It's just, he's... He awful. could in the year 2020. We the acknowledge that. Yep, yep. But no, he's just awful. I don't, I, I'm not, you know, like I defend AAB on this pod all the time and I get grief for it, but I can't defend that. That's an awful selection. Pick one of the kids. If you don't think Mapalangi is uh, quite strong enough yet and you don't want him to be starting the year against the big uh, Warriors team, Dylan Lucas, that boy's all muscle. Put him there. Give him a shot. 
at least at least your muscle up, which we know Anari won't. I'd be perfectly okay with Anari playing on the wing. Wouldn't worry me if, if Anari was the, on that uh, on that left wing. But yeah, in, in the centres, I don't get it. Heimel's a shock because last year we were playing kids and Heimel was playing reserve grade. Like he, didn't, he was injured a lot, but even when he was fit, he was not getting a look in, into the first grade team. So he's come out of nowhere, which I'm happy with. I think Heimel's great. He's very good defensively, so that'll help. That'll help out. Um, yeah, I the rest of it's pretty straightforward. As we said, Marju, we don't know what's going on there. We'll probably hear in the next day or two. Before you listen, you might even know what's happening there. Excited to see Lockie Miller play. He showed signs in a little bit of trial action he had. Um, yeah, no, I think I think that's going to be a, a great pickup for us. KP6, Hastings 7, excited to see how that goes. Don't judge it too early. Give, give him, I'd say probably give him a month. Um, before you before you judge that, but I think that'll work. Uh, the as for the pack, Kurt Mann, um, we don't want to see him start. I don't mind Kurt playing lock. I just don't like him starting at lock. And he might as he might not start yet. He might he might come off the bench. Uh, I just think that's the case of Hetherington and Elliot both aren't fit enough to start yet because they both had uh, pretty serious injuries over the preseason. So maybe that's just what we you know, Kurt's all we've got. So fair enough. So I won't judge that. Uh, as for Lockie Fitz. Same with him. I think he's there on sufferance at the moment because there's some guys missing. Uh, I think he, I think I think he'll be a I think he'll be a bench a bench player. Brody Jones missed out of the seventeen, which I think we're all we're all happy with. I don't think Brody's earned a spot in the seventeen. Uh, he was named in the cup side. Uh, yeah, the the bench the bench looks really strong. One of the strongest benches we all thought Gamble would would get would get picked over Crossland, but I um. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't mind Phoenix there. You, you won't play many minutes. The only that guy, that seventeenth uh, player in the, in the on the team sheet, will only only gets to run with AAB when needed. So I don't think that'll matter too much. But the the forwards on the bench, it looks really strong. So you know, overall, I think we've got a good enough team to go there and win. I think the Knights owe it to the fans to open up a training session during the week. Have it at McDonald Jones Stadium. Let all the members in because there's got to be something that Inari and Kurt are doing at training that is so spectacular that keeps getting them picked each week. You know what I mean? You know how we're always told they they just train so well, they demand selection. I want to see what they're doing. (laughs) And then that's (laughs) the thing. They're not doing it on the weekend. (laughs) And that's the thing. We used to have to go to training sessions every now and then. We don't even get a bloody pre season family, bloody members function anymore the clubs are oh, mate don't get me started like well hang on but but just on that though just on that though surely now that the uh center of excellence is open like that that's not behind closed walls like we surely we could we, we you know we could just oh, take a mosey on down there and have a sticky and, beak and, and see that was how they sold it's community it's a community thing it's not just for the nights it's for the community yeah that's how that was sold but it's um it's definitely just for the nights. Right, yeah. no, no one else is using it. I'm just, I'm just going to say, it. our club is embarrassing the region at the moment. Absolutely embarrassing the region. The way that the hunter public get treated by the the knights at the moment by West, it's just disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. And I don't care. I don't care what the knights. You know, I'm sure they. We we know they're listening to pods. We know they're listening to fan chats. We know they go scanning through the comments to go you know, to whinge to people because we've we've heard journalists and other fan people, other fans of that, they get called out by the club. Um, I've been blocked on and off at various times on Twitter by them. Um, 
it, the way they're treating the, the hunter public, no, I'm not saying Knights fans in general, but the hunter public is disgusting. The way that Tenerife has gone from a community thing to the Knights won't even let you stand behind the fence and watch them train for five minutes. It's just it's just gross. And as I said, we've gone from these amazing fan days and uh, members functions and stuff pre-season where, you know, you'd have four or five hours with the players, with rides for the kids, precisely sizzle to, to now we, to then it become, oh, we'll do it as part of a trial game. And then now it's the, we don't even get that. It's, um yeah, it's, I would never walk away from this club because I love the club, but I don't love the club like I used to. I, I love to watch them play football, but my emotional investment ends at that now. Uh, just a just a quick shout out to Frank Barrett if he is uh, listening. Uh, I've been trying to get an interview with one of your players, um, Bay Fifty Three Pod at Gmail dot com. If you could um, just get back to me on that, uh, yeah, we've um, we'd really love to to speak with with one of the players, Brett. I am going to back you up on that though, because I feel like there's actually some context that needs to be thrown behind that. You, uh, I've said it before, I'll say it again. You actually are possibly the most passionate Knights fan I've come across in my life. It's it's actually the reason you and I are mates. We we didn't we didn't sort of we haven't been mates our whole lives. I'm like, oh yeah, we both like the Knights. Like we met because of our love of the Knights. And so um when you criticize the Knights, you don't say it from a place where you're like, I I, I want to see this club fail. Your criticism of the Knights comes from a place where this is an an entity, a club uh, you know, something that I'm a part of, that I'm emotionally invested in, that if I have my way, it will be the best um, sporting franchise in, in the country. So when you say these things, you're saying it in, in, not in terms of, I hate this club and I hope they, you know, I don't want what's best for them. You're saying it from an aspect of something that I love is doing something to the detriment of these people that want to be a bigger part of the club. Um and I think certainly from the support I've seen you give them over the years, because wasn't it, didn't you have like a 58 home game streak? 50, or something? Yeah. 50, 58 through three wooden spoons didn't miss a yeah. hard game streak yet. And the only reason that streak ended was, didn't you have like pleurisy or something? <laughs> I, I was really, really unwell, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you were almost hospitalized because your lungs were so full of infection. But so this is a man who's had a 58 game home game attendance streak through three wooden spoons as you know a season member every year has um you know takes his kids as and you've invested a lot financially in this club so when you say these things it, it's coming from and again not just a place of care for this club but also to a certain extent a, a position of authority because you've You've been through the highs and the lows with this club. You've seen it from, the, and you take an approach to it where you're like, I've, I, I have a close, I have a close attachment to this club where it's an informed uh, critique that you're giving them. So I think, you, I think, what you're saying from there is that you've earned the right. You've essentially earned the right to have that say as a fan. I, I enjoyed this club a million times more during the Wooden Spoon seasons. Because uh, look, I, 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 can I just say this quickly? I enjoyed the club more during the wooden seasons compared to last year. Um, I, I definitely wouldn't say that about the fir- the the first two years under O'Brien of winning and playing finals. I, I definitely enjoyed those two years more than the spoon years. Well, I, I don't really count. I don't season. really count. Tw- I don't really count those two finals years because they were so COVID interrupted. I just, you know, I wiped them out. <laughs> I'm so I'm talking. I'm talking. So you know, they were they were like we you know they we missed half a season. In, 
uh, behind closed doors, half a season in Brisbane, in Queensland. Like I just, but in terms of full seasons played, the Wooden Spoon seasons were way more fun than last. Last season was the worst season I've ever been involved with. One hundred percent. It was one hundred percent. It was dour. Like, and um, and we talked we talked earlier about you know the players not you know, not dying for the region like they used to, because the club don't. Real relate to the region like they used to. Like the the players now get sheltered. They apart from probably couldn't even the ones from out of town probably couldn't even tell you where Wall's End is. You know, like that's 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 what that's what it's become. It's what it's absolutely become. And if anyone could tell you where Wall's End is, they'd be able to. It's, yeah, that's where the freeway starts in Sydney. You know, like that's 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 what the club's become. The the club is for the whole idea of West taking over Western Community Club. That we're going to take over the Hunters Premier Sporting franchise and give it back to the community. Well, they've taken it away from the community. Um, oh, look, make no mistake. The Newcastle Knights are a club that lacks identity. We 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 do not have an identity anymore. Um, I think I think there's a lot of dysfunction in the club, and I've got no idea what's going on behind closed doors. I absolutely can only judge it from what I see, unfortunately, on the field and in the media. Um, but you just you compare that club to some other clubs that are clearly more functioning, and by that I'm obvious I'm referring to Eels, Roosters, Storm, um, and even the Eels. I mean they're they're borderline sort of schizophrenic when it comes to functionality. Um, but but even the Tigers, like, even the Tigers, the Tigers look after their fans spectacularly in terms of what they do off the field. Yeah, functions all the time, members events all the time. You know, like it's stuff we don't get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, I don't know what the club does about that anymore, though. Because you know what I mean? Because you and I sort of have talked about what does the club really stand for anymore? And one of the things that we sort of try to remind um, anybody who listens to us is that the 90s are gone. We're not that club anymore. But what's the next step? Well, we're not that club anymore. So what is this club? You know, because they made all that. They made such a big deal. Oh, we're turning the emblem around. It's who fucking cares? <laughs> that's that's yeah. not an identity change. That's a that's a well paid graphic designer who's saying, you, I've got an idea for you that'll sell you more merch." Like, that's not an identity. So, what what does the club do then to discover not rediscover discover an identity? What what do you think the identity of the Newcastle Knights should be? Yeah, I don't think Newcastle Knights should be what it was at the turn of the century, which was that it was a sporting organisation that was designed specifically around giving local talent an opportunity to play professional sport and then using their their platform to promote the hunter. And off the back of that, it's become a successful, a successful football team because everyone got on board, the community got on board, the local companies got on board, we still had no money, but everything else worked so well that it didn't matter, and we had an immortal obviously helped. Yeah. But the days of us just looking with our hunter borders are gone, and I I accept that. I don't want that either. But the idea that local clubs are telling their best players to sign for Sydney teams because they'll get a better chance at success and that happens every single week, I know for a fact, that should be the biggest canary in the coal mine of all time. Yeah. People say, why don't, people say, why did why so much, so many, so much talent slip through our fingers? Because we don't get a chance at it. The, they, the young players get told, go and play for the Roosters, go and play for Parramatta, go and play for Canterbury. 
and as and as we've sort of discussed a lot last year, that was our our two big hopes last year was Hayden Knowles, but um, also oh god, what was his name? The the pathway, uh, 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 Brennan, Brennan, Garth Brennan. That was yeah. our that was our other golden child returning to us because I, I was saying to you and the boys I love it I love a savior we love we've got such a savior complex in in, um, in Newcastle I mean Andrew Johns coming back to coach bah, bah. Garth Brennan coming back to fix the pathways bah, bah. Hayden Knowles coming back to um, you know keep keep our players players fit and lead us to success bah, bah. so who's my latest savior. Peter Parr. <laughs> Peter Parr's the man, baby. He's going to lead us to a to a well constructed team, and to a to a certain extent. And I'm going to use this to segue into the next thing I want to talk to you about. I think Peter Parr has shown his value to the Newcastle Knights by standing firm and having a backup option uh, in the case of not being able to re-sign Dom Young. I think yeah. I think Peter did exactly the right thing. We valued him. Uh, communication probably broke down with his manager, and they're like, "Okay, that's fine. All the best. We're a, we we're a club that's bigger than any one player. We're going to go in another direction. Thanks for uh, thanks for your time." Uh, so I, I think Peter Parr is has already shown his worth in the recruitment. Firstly, of not going out of our way to uh, jump through hoops for Dom Young and bringing just Jackson Hastings to the Newcastle Knights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I, do, I completely agree with that. Um, we're all we're all disappointed Don left because you know how many times do you throw do we throw the darts at the board and you know, get nothing? We actually hit the bullseye this time, and we got a player that every every club wanted, the best club, all the best clubs wanted, and we've lost him to, to the Roosters, and that you know that stings. But I, I'm I'm back the club up. I think the club had the proper go at him. The manager wasn't keen for him to stay at the Knights. I'm by all reports. He certainly wasn't keen for him to sign before the World Cup, knowing that if he had a good World Cup, his price would go up. Fair enough. And then once you get to that stage, well, then it was just where to throw our money in. And and, and we can't be throwing $700,000 to keep a winger because uh, we've got too many holes in our squad. Uh, I call it the Uate, the Aquila's yeah. Uate lesson. 100%. 100%. They learned the hard way. 100%. And- it, it's. I feel. I feel sorry for for Uate because he was absolutely the only winger you were going to change your policy because we never paid for wingers. We we lost. We lost Tahu. We lost McDougal. We lost. You know, a plethora. Or there were a lot of wingers that we didn't bring to the club because we said all they have to do is catch and run. They don't even have to pass. Just catch the ball, ball put it over the line. We never pl- paid big for um for wingers. But we did that with Uati, and it was just such poor timing that um, um, he suddenly realised that he can't uh, defend kicks. Um, you know that 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 deal in the end did not look good. Down the blind, Andrew John inside for Alba. Alba will score. Alba Mate, are you ready for my piping, just molten lava, hot, hot take on Dom Young? Lay it on me. I'm going to have a big drink of Pepsi Max here to prepare, but lay it on me. Dom Young will not be playing at the Sydney Roosters. He might be in the NRL, but I don't think he will be playing at the Sydney Roosters come uh, 2026. Because he signed a four-year deal. The reports are it's a four-year deal. Yeah. I and I. So think you think he'd last no more than what two years at the Roosters? He will not last two years at the Roosters. 
Late last year, when Adam Dewey was putting up those missiles, those those fucking towering bombs. And I, and I was calling them. I was calling them to you. Let me get to it, Bretto. Let me get to it. And we were all watching young Dom Young just looking up at the stars. I don't know what I'm looking at as they were bouncing and wreaking havoc. One young, vibrant, intelligent Bretto Shank was messaging the K-Dog going, hey, is there any chance that Dom Young's being found out that he can't handle kicks? And I was like, nah, he's just having a bad day out. And yet, and yet, that was the inner K-Dog trying to say to himself, we've got something good here. Let's not spoil it. (laughs) (laughs) I think Dom Young has been signed on what he could be, what he can be, obviously. What he physically is. Yeah, yeah, on the basis of what he physically is. But here's the lesson that you learn about the Sydney Roosters. They do not give a fuck about developing from your weakness. If your weaknesses get exposed, catch your buddy. And one Ryan Hall, who we're told is the best winger of all time from England, granted a lot older than Dom Young, but he was given one season and he was told, thanks for your time, off you go. Kyle Flanagan, one season, and he didn't even underperform. He performed perfectly fine. Thank you. Jackson Hastings. Jackson, yeah, you beat me to it. Jackson Hastings wasn't even given a consistent run in first grade. Thanks for your services. Off you go. All the best with your career. The Roosters do not give a fuck about letting you sort out your mistakes. And the thing that we know about Dom Young is that at a young age, he is very, very quickly um, exposed at the moment when it comes to defending. Now, you tell me that he is uh, more of a centre than he is a winger. Good luck with that. (laughs) Yeah, like... Because there is... Defensively, he's not. There is nothing that he has shown defensively no, no. that is going to not be an open wide weakness in that Roosters 13 that is taught and trained to be rock solid from sideline to sideline. I think um, I think he's I think he's he, I think he really needed to, just from a career perspective development wise a two year deal in Newcastle was ideal for him because it gave because the Newcastle Knights will let you work through your mistakes because we don't have any choice <laughs> you're going to let five tries in a, in a game as long as you score six we'll be happy and that is the mentality of the Newcastle Knights whereas in the Roosters you don't get that leeway and I, I just think it, it, he, he had a he had a standout season in a Knights team that was terrible. He had a good World Cup for an England team that got exposed in a semi-final final against Samoa. And I just think the aura around this idea of Dom Young, for whatever reason, and, let, and you know, the Roosters, for all of the great signings that they do, they don't always nail it. Oh, yeah, I, that's, that's my hot take. I think two years maximum at the Roosters, and I think he'll be... Thanks for your services. Off you go, son. I, I don't don't disagree with you at all. They they have no time. See, they they build they build their team like you build a supercoach team. So when you build a supercoach team at the start of the year, what you what you do is you do guns and cheapy. So you do the best of the best, and then you buy all cheap. Yeah, you know, so you fit under your cap. That's how the Roosters build their team, and that's how their fans react. So the fans know all the guys that they've got. You know, like your Hutchinsons and all that. They're getting paid no money. Yeah. 
and they just do their best and, you know, they, they do it the Roosters way and they don't hurt them, but they don't do anything spectacular. And it doesn't matter because they're getting paid bugger or money. They're filling out the squad. That's our thing. But anyone that's getting paid more than about $400,000, if they aren't the best in their position or close to in the NRL and good 95% of the time, their fans will burn you to the ground. Like the, the simple fact matter is the, the guy they're trying to give us, Satili Tupanua, who at his best, is as damaging as any back row in the game, but has many weaknesses, their fans will literally drive him up the highway to drop him off at Newcastle. If he was at, like, I don't want him, but if he was at Newcastle and played the way he played for the last three or four years, we, we would all think, oh, we love some T-League, can stay forever, because mm-hmm. he scores a lot of shots and does a lot of great things. But their fans literally want to drive him up the freeway. Mm. And he's, he's, a dumb, he's a dumb young clone. He's all attack and no defence, and a million of mistakes in him. Because the thing about – and one of the things that you can sort of protect a winger out on the – particularly at the Newcastle Knights because you can do so much damage in the middle at the Knights. You don't have to go out wide all the time. But there's – Dom Young is this incredible physical specimen. I've got to go back to Joey. So Joey said this most this great thing in this podcast that I was listening to. Like I said, the Howie podcast. Go and listen to it if you haven't listened to Joey um, already. Because um, Howie asked one intelligent question. He said, Joey, talk to me about defence. What what is it about about defence? If you were you're teaching youngsters and and it's so simple, but for the the innocent bystander like me who's just up in the stands watching it, going, well, that looks great. Joey said, well, it's all in the footwork. It, it's it starts from where you you can't be static, and you've got to set yourself. He said, it's like when you're going out to the bat when you're batting at the crease in cricket. It's all about where you place your feet and your footwork, and you see. Well, when we, when people who haven't played the game watching rugby league, what we see is it's all upper body and arms. But no, it's all in the footwork. And when you go back and you look at some of Dom Young's defence, his foot his footwork is atrocious. He yeah, he's a baby giraffe. Sorry, he's a baby giraffe. Yeah, that's exactly right. He, he's sort of like his legs are almost straight, sort of trying to get and um and I just think those weaknesses, um, the Roosters will work on it. But I just don't see that even they can um, correct those deficiencies quickly enough. A- again, at the rate that they want. Quickly, I'm enough, certainly... right. quickly enough is the key. They correct them. And if they were patient, in three or four years' time, he could be the best winger yes. in the game. Yes. But their club and their fans won't give him, won't give him two years and might not give him one year. So this is and so this is why I need to be very clear with with that prediction. It's actually not a criticism of Dom Young. It's not even a criticism of the Roosters, but it's certainly questioning the intelligence of him joining the Roosters at this stage of his career. So that's that's my hot take. I've got no doubt in in 2027 when he's a three-time premiership winner with the Roosters, these words will come back to haunt me, but I just on the basis of what I've seen so far, I, I promise you, I genuinely thought it was a surprising move for the Roosters because I thought there are bigger fish out there for them to be getting right now. I, I, I just was surprised that he's their, their target for four years as well. They've signed him for four years off the back of one good season with the Newcastle Knights. Can, can, I, can I get a hot take on the back of that for you? With the can Newcastle I, I, Knights last year. Can I do a hot take on the back of that? Oh, please. I don't think the Roosters. I don't think the Roosters signed Dom Young because they need Dom Young. I think the Roosters wanted to make a statement and a splash because Penrith were getting all the headlines. Boy, that is up. Oh, I can't. My my headphones are melting, Bredo. <laughs> the, the, the plastic is molding itself to my head from all the heat. The Roosters. Have, the Roosters have essentially been irrelevant for the last two years. Oh, they have. They have. They got, 
they got, they got blown away by South last year. The year before, if it, was, if it wasn't for a, for a bomb try on full time, the Titans would have beat them in the first round of the finals. Then they got beat the second week. They, I, I, there's no doubt. They, which is why they're doing the Spencer Lenu thing too. They are looking to make headlines. I guarantee it. Well, it's, it's funny you should say that, actually, because that would give credence to, or that would give at least a bit more substance to, and I haven't read the Daily Telegraph article because I, ref, I refuse to pay uh, money for that that toilet paper of a, of a news um, outlet, but uh, that would give some sort of context as to why the Roosters, are they complaining about salary sombrero um, jokes? Because yeah. Yeah. two years ago, we're premiers. We don't yeah. care what you say what you want, losers. We really yeah. don't give a fuck about what you have to say about how we do things. Yeah. But now, don't yeah. make fun of us. We're just really well, you're the roosters. What do you care about people saying from the outside how it is you run your business? So you remember they used to make jokes about how the fact they were the new Manly. Everyone everyone used to hate Manly because they stole everyone's players and Manly yes. didn't care. Manly yes. hated you too. The roosters we're we're Manly now. We win, we steal your players, we don't care. But now, as soon as the you know they're, they're off that top rung of the NRL hierarchy, they are crying like the little bitches they are. Oh, oh that is that is smoking hot, man. My my uh, my take is ice cold compared to the heat that you just emanated from that one, Bredo. So uh, all right, well, look, um, um, uh, the idea of a Roosters team. A Roosters organisation, and I need to be careful because I've actually got a couple of Roosters fans who do listen to this pod. I don't know why, and they are actually genuinely good people. So, um, you know, thanks, I don't thanks believe for tuning that. in. I don't, I don't believe that. <laughs> but um, wow, wow, I, uh, I, it's, it's, it's almost, um, it's, it's, it almost makes the Roosters organisation more human. The idea that the, the idea that that insecurity might be coming through is like, hey, we're we're still a big fish, so yeah, I right. I, I tweeted I tweeted yesterday all this thing about where you see the Russia just win. Let's not forget they've won four premierships since nineteen seventy five. Yep, four, four, four yeah. premierships. Penrith are going for their fourth grand final in a row this year. Yep. Like Roosters have won four premierships in almost 50 years. This crap that the Roosters do nothing but win, and Uncle, and Uncle Nick does nothing. Well, Uncle Nick's owned the Roosters since the early 80s. So in all that time he's owned the Roosters, in 40 years of owning the Roosters, he's won four premierships. This crap that all they do is win, and that's why people play for him, is just marketing. I think the Super League invigorated Uncle Nick. So I think when, I think when he bought it in the 80s, he genuinely bought it as a hobby, as a, as a passion project. But I think once the Super League happened and he saw the money that he could make out of it, I think that's when he actually started taking his ownership seriously. Oh, yeah. No, what he realised was he could use the Roosters to expand his own business. So the yes. Roosters, made the, because all the, the higher end of town in Sydney were Roosters fans, yes. he realised that by being the king of the Roosters and the Roosters being good, he could get massive business contacts that have made him a fortune. And he's Which is smart. From, and he's gone from a rich car dealer to a billionaire. Yeah. And like... Credit credit where it's due. That is that is that is smart. Yeah, absolutely. That's not, absolutely. We're, we're for, all, for all the money they spent in the '90s getting Fittler and all the players they bought, they, they did win a premiership. Correct. Bre- Bre- Fred, I've said this before. Freddie Fittler, the happiest person. Freddie Fittler should thank the Canterbury Bulldogs every day, every day for rorting the salary cap. Yeah, because, getting that 2002. Because he needed that second premiership, yeah. and he, yeah. you know, he subsequently played three grand finals in a row with the Roosters. He lost the yeah. next two, yeah. uh, but he's not making that grand final in two thousand and two if the if the Bulldogs aren't on the bottom of the table. No, yeah. 
Um, or, I, and, and, and not if Joey didn't get injured, we would have won it. Oh, don't get me started on that. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Uh, say it again. We are we are a cutout pass and a broken Andrew Johns back away from three peating. Okay. Um, I mean, uh, just back on the nights this weekend. I saw. Are we winning this? Cards on the table. Our round, our round one record's great. Adam O'Brien has never lost a, a round one clash um, as coach of the Newcastle Knights. But as we've said before, winning the foot, winning the round one hasn't delivered us a, delivered us a premiership. So maybe it's time to try something different and uh, lose in the first round for a change. I normally wouldn't care too much about a round one game, but our our draw is so soft early. We have to make some hay. Yeah. So you and I, you and I were sort of discussing this. Uh, off air, certainly, um, certainly with the fellas. I mean, we really need to be making, you know. So Warriors, Tigers, and we're beating the Dolphins. I, I just, I don't care. Are you, any, are you sure? I am one hundred percent positive that we are beating the Dolphins, and we're beating them well. Um, right. But the Warriors, Tigers, Dolphins, Raiders at the is our first four games. Um, the problem with the Knights is that any other team that should be four wins from four, but knowing us will be two wins, one win, two win, maybe after four rounds. You just, I, you just I, don't I, know think, with I think three would be great. Two would be a pass. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. Which two? Uh, we'll have to beat the Dolphins. Yeah. So the Dolphins. And then win one of these first two. Yeah. On the road. Yeah. Uh, we got to, we got to win the Hastings cup. Surely, surely we've got oh, to yeah, beat I'd... the Tigers in round two. It's only that I think the Tigers, that, even though we we built and last we played there, I think the Tigers are like that round two with the with their hype. I think they might start the year well. I don't think they'll be any good, but mm. I think they might start the year well. <laughs> it's such a weird um, draw. We play the the Warriors twice in the first six rounds. I get yeah, that they're seventeenth, which for me is good because the I, I we always seem to draw them in the middle of the season. Yes, the second time when yeah. they've got when they've got all their players playing, we've got injuries in Origin. And... Yeah. No, that's fair enough. Um, we were doing. I mean, do we want to do a general season preview? I don't know. I sort of. Where where do you have us finishing this year, mate? It's sort of. It's. We we were discussing before we pressed record. I think the ceiling for this team is eighth. I think the bottom. I think the the basement is fifteenth. I I do. I believe it in my heart of hearts that the Dolphins and the Titans are worse rugby league teams than than us. Whether whether that pans and out. the Dragons, the, I think the Dragons are. I think the Dragons will win the win the win the wins, win the wooden spoon. I struggle to uh, back them to bottom out as long as Ben Hunt is in that team. I agree. I don't think that any team could should win a wooden spoon with a player as good as Ben Hunt. But I also think that Ben Hunt is at the point now where he doesn't he he doesn't give a shit. He's ready to move on. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think he's looking extending or whatever extent. I don't I don't think he'll be there next year. Whatever his contract status is, I think that um, the way that club's falling apart, and he's ready to go home. Can we talk a little bit about the Dragons? They they we joke about it a lot when when you say this. The, the Dragons genuinely should be kicked out of the league. Yeah, they are yeah. a terrible terrible rugby league club, and um, I, I I say that. Acknowledging how how embarrassing the nights can be at times, 
so it takes a lot for me to say that in words that are going to be listened by other people outside of, you know, you and I. No, 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 no. The Dragons are an embarrassment to professional sport. Just some of the shenanigans that go on there, the way the club is run, the coaching situation, the recruitment has even less direction than what we do. And the off the off field stuff is just uh, Bargy, nothing, nothing functions. Nothing functions. Yeah, Bargy pointed it out quite rightly when he sort of when he was stating that um, you know their club statement about the latest um, the latest off field incident. They just change a few words every few yeah. weeks and they release another one. Like that that's that is it's not just an embarrassment to them; it's an embarrassment to the code. And we're not, and we're not talking about you know blokes on the piss you know running a mark. We're talking about serious violent crimes. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it, it, it's um yeah like and and the, the they don't function the Illawarra part of it have all the money and all the players because George have well West and George they fuck you that's all they have <laughs> and and then no and no one gets along yeah like it's it's amazing I got a friend that's um that is a it was he was an Illawarra fan but he uh, he's obviously gone to the Dragons and he he's given up he said like nothing functions like the board the two halves of the boards don't talk to each other half the players live in Sydney half the players live in Wollongong they yeah uh, they they they're travelling and mixing around where they train so everybody you know doesn't have to travel too far every day they can't even work out you know where they um have their recovery sessions because they change every week he said it's just a nightmare God. It sort of puts into perspective. I mean, we like to joke about how poorly the Knights are run as well, but I don't know if it gives me comfort or concerns me more that there are worse run clubs than ours because we're very critical of the Knights in terms of we hold them to a high standard and they don't meet that standard. Um, the Knights should very easily meet that standard, though. So the idea that there are other clubs out there that are just bigger basket cases, you're like, what is going on out there? Oh, that, that club should be massive. You've got the Illawarra, you know, and, and its uh, population, uh, you know, the, the the industry there, the the plays they produce. Then you've got the St George District and the history of the St George Club. Mm. That club should be an absolute powerhouse. Correct. And I think, I think most people see St George as a power. Like everyone calls them St George, everyone sees the big red V, and everyone in their mind, well, that's St George, though. That they're a big club, but they're they're the they're the smallest club in the competition in terms of their relevance. Like oh, everybody absolutely. does pay attention. Absolutely. And much like Brad Fittler, they are another club that is thankful for salary cap rorting that they have a premiership this century. Yeah. I'm no expert. I just love the game. But more than that, I love the community. If you're a fan of rugby league or the NRL, you'll love Big T's Tees. Unique, affordable, and made for fans. Find a link to the online store in the show notes below. You'd look good in one of Big T's tees. Uh, Bredo, we um, tweeted out uh, well, a few days ago now. Anyway, we t- tweeted out the definitive um, and 100% entirely correct uh, preseason ladder prediction that is absolutely going to happen. Um, put your mortgage on it. Uh, we, we, and by we, I probably mean I, uh, but we have, um, Penrith finishing on top and I got to be honest with you after the St. Helens game, which I get was, you know, I'm using the air quotes, just a preseason game, um, trial, but, um, I still think the Panthers wanted that 
win. I just don't think they realised they were going to have to put in more than they ultimately did. Yeah, they they were they were ready to they were ready to play at half pace, thinking they'd win, and then by the time they correct looked back in the gear, it was too late. Correct. Um, I, I agree with the Penrith on top of the table, but my prediction is Penrith minor premiers, but no grand final. So will there are some? T- will they make a prelim? Yeah, yeah, they'll get rolled the prelim. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I've got we've got Penrith Roosters top two, um, sitting on twenty wins. I mean, plus all of these predictions, you can probably do plus or minus two on number of wins. But we've got Roosters, uh, Panthers top two. I don't know how this happened. Storm finished third, which I don't actually think will happen. I think I don't. I, 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 I think South could finish second or third. Yeah, so I've, I've, we've got South fourth. So South coming in fourth yeah. on the same number of wins as um, as the Storm in this one. But yeah, I, I think I've, I actually think the Storm will probably finish as low as sixth this yep. season. Yep, I, don't, I I think the Storm spot is between third and sixth, and I think they're probably fifth or sixth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Eels coming in at fifth, and I because I do think they've lost some talent, and I think they'll have a bit of a drop off from um, because as good as they were to get to the grand final last year. Um, I think their grand final was against a Cowboys team that was surprised they were in a preliminary final. Yeah, yeah. and I think you yeah. take that. Yeah, Parramatta was a team. Parramatta was a team that was like, this was this is our chance to finally go to the grand final. Yes, the Cowboys was happy to be there. Correct. Yeah. So uh, Parramatta fifth. Now look, I'll give some context to this sixth and seventh. So I've got the Knights finishing seventh, but I've got the Raiders on sixth as well. But they're both on twelve wins. So I think, you know, when you take points differential into it and probably the plus or minus, it, I mean, when you when I was going through the draw, Canberra had a lot of winnable home games. And then you throw in that bizarre factor about how they always fucking beat the Storm and they're more likely to do that regularly this season. They can conceivably put together 12 wins, notwithstanding how shithouse they were in the trials. Um, so I've got Dragon sixth, the Knights seventh, and again on twelve wins. I, I believe it. I believe it in my heart of hearts that we can jag six or seven wins at home this year. I just, I, I firmly believe it. Um, and if we can maintain our four wins away from home life, there, there are a lot of ifs in this. But if we can just maintain that intensity and jag two more or somewhere else, there's twelve wins in this Newcastle team. Um, this one I know you fundamentally and vehemently disagree with because of Anthony Seabold. Well, I've got the man. I've got Manly finishing eighth, but that's on eleven wins. And now, my my Manly prediction is if Turbo plays the whole year, they finish ninth. If Turbo's injured for more than half the games, they get the wooden spoon. Does Seabold survive the year if they coming if they're running last? Yeah, yeah, that that's the at least two years. Yeah. Um, they don't, they don't have the money just to start paying coaches out. Yeah, now the, <laughs> more coaches out. Now this is the one I know is controversial. This is the one that shocked the most people. Again, I had the Dragons finishing ninth on eleven wins, but again, and I probably now that I think now that I've listened to you just eviscerate them, but also. <laughs> Uh, mentioned the Ben Hunt factor. Eleven wins is on the basis that they've got a, a fire, a fit and firing Ben Hunt. So they couldn't, they, they couldn't, they couldn't win. They couldn't win eleven games in the Tui's Cup this year. All right, well, hang on. Let's okay. Let's so let's go through their draw because I'm pretty sure we play them twice this year. Yep. So there's two games. They so lose. there's two wins. <laughs> two games they lose. They always win up here. We always, you know, but it not. not. Um, 
Where are, the, where are the dragons? Okay, so the dragons first up at home against the Titans. That's a win. No, it's not. You, okay, see, I don't even think the dragons will win that because they're good at home. I'm just simply on the basis that Titans are awful away from outside of the Gold Coast. I, I think you're underestimating how bad the dragons are. <laughs> ben, ben Murdoch Masilla is going to start for them this year. In the front row. Ben Murdoch Masilla. Well, hang on. Well, they've got so hang on, but they've got the first round bye, so they pick up yeah. two competition yeah. points from the like just no matter what. So yeah. they don't get have to kick off until round two. So they only time up the eight all season. <laughs> <laughs> okay, round three against the Broncos. I accept they'll likely lose that. Now, round four, yeah. I I think they can beat the Sharks because it's that local <laughs> derby. They get up for it. They, you know, no, those are the games no. that they always asshole their way to a win. No, 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 no. <laughs> ben Murdoch Masilla starting in first grade in the year 2023. <laughs> Round five at home against the Dolphins. They're winning that. I think we can yes. agree on I'll that. I'll give them yeah. that. I'll give them that. Away when, you say, when you say home, you've got to tell me whether it's Wollongong or Cogger because that makes a difference. Wollongong. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You're still backing them? Yep, yep. Okay, away to the Titans, ba-bow. Yeah, nope. they're losing that. Away to the Raiders, nope. they're losing that. Away to the Roosters, nope. absolutely they're losing that. Now, it's Anzac Day, which, give, you know, which gives them about a 5% chance. As opposed yeah. <laughs> now, so hang on, how many wins have I given them so far? So I've, I've got oh. one three wins so far. That's the oh, big... three wins, my <laughs> So they've beaten, hang on, they've beaten the Titans, the Dolphins, and the Sharks. So they've won three out of their first four. Oh. <laughs> we're up to round nine. So they're on three wins going into round nine. Now, I think they can beat the Bulldogs because I think the Bulldogs are overhyped. No. Uh, Steve, you got to remember, that's, that's as big a local derby as um, the Cronulla Dragons. Yeah, but it's been played in Wollongong. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The Bulldogs hate the Dragons. Absolutely fucking hate them. They probably hate the Dragons more than they hate Parramatta. Yeah, all right. Well, but even if they lose that, because I think I had them losing to the Tigers... Because that's that's Magic Round at Suncor Stadium, and the Tigers. Yeah, they've never won a Magic Round. So yeah, so the Tigers are um, Magic Round specialists. Yep. So okay, so I still only got them on three wins. Okay, they're losing against the Cowboys up at Townsville. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, okay, yeah, they're losing to the Roosters at Cogra. It's not looking good so far. They're still on three wins. So hang on, round thirteen away to the Dol. They are beating the Dolphins. I think they're getting the season double over the Dolphins up at KO State. That'll be Origin time. No Ben Hunt. Oh shit, you're right. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right because they play. Oh, hang on. Uh, 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 yeah, you could be. Well, I, I still, I'm giving. They're gonna have no Ben Hunt, or they're gonna have Ben Hunt backing up. Either way, they probably should should win, but. Look, I'm giving them I'm giving them a fourth win against the Dolphins in round 13. Okay, they're losing to the Panthers. Okay, yep, they're losing to the the Rabbitohs. Yep, they get another bye. Okay, now the Warriors in Wollongong. They are beating the Warriors in Wollongong. I'll give you that. Okay, so that's five wins. Um, yep, they're losing to the Sharks. I am t- I'm giving them a sixth win to beat the Raiders in Wollongong. Because the Raiders, the Raiders are a banter club as well, and you just you can see them there'll traveling. Be more, there'll be more Raiders fans there than Dragons fans. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
No, I'm giving them. I'm giving them a sixth win. They've got six win, six wins by round nineteen. So we've got all right. We've got s- seven games to go. Stop. Look, I think they're beating the Tigers in Wollongong. So we're up to seven here. I only need four more wins. Now, Tommy Turbo is going to be injured, and Seabold's going to be have given up. So they're beating. I think they're beating the Sea Eagles in Wollongong again. So we're up to eight wins here. Okay, they're losing to the Eels. They're losing to the Rabbitohs. Okay, yeah, they're definitely losing to the Storm. And they're beating us last round. So, look, that's that's nine wins. That's at least nine wins there. And what did I say was my prediction for them? Okay, 11 wins. Look, 11, look plus or minus two for... Um, for uh, so, uh, so I'll, I'll give you zero plus or minus two. <laughs> Because they're so poorly behaved, they may end up on negative two wins at the end of the year. They may lose their bipod. I was saying to Joe Frost, actually, I was saying uh, I've protected myself from the Knights this season. My expectations for the Knights Knights are so low that I've prepared myself to have competition points taken off (laughs) the game we win for um, having too many players on the field. Like That's how low I've set expectations just so that they don't disappoint me. Um, look, I, okay, look I, I take on board what you say about the Dragons. I've, I've still got them on, you know, 9 to 11 wins. Uh, I still think that they'll be better than the Broncos on 10 wins. Nah. I've only given the Bulldogs 10 wins as well because I, I, think, they're, I think they're all hype. I think they'll yep. get found out when, when the heat is on. And they've got huge issues in the front row. Luke Thompson out for six months. Pangai oh, Jr. Yeah. out indefinitely. They've got huge issues up front. And yeah. if, if, with, with, if they're not going forward, all the backs they've bought are relevant. Yeah, and the thing about Kikau is that as great as he is, there's a lot of the Nathan Clearies about him. He's he's good in a great yeah. team. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. don't know how he performs, though, when others aren't doing the work. Around. Last year was his first ever elite year. Every other year he was he was good at times. Last year was yeah. the first time he was elite. Yep. Um, now, you and I, uh, I think, are in agreement on these ones. Cowboys and the Sharks, we've both got as our big regression teams this season. Yeah, I think I I think one of those teams will definitely miss the eight, and the yep. other will be surprised if they both miss the eight. Yep. Uh, Warriors in fourteenth. I do not think the Warriors are a good rugby league team. I think they've got massive issues, and I don't blame that club. I really do think that they have been. People cannot appreciate how much that club, those players, have been gutted by COVID over the last yeah, agree. three years. Agree. Um, so I'm actually giving them – I'm just giving them a pass for this year. I think the fact that they're just still turning up – like, let them have a, just a normal home and away season so they can rediscover, you know, their get-go. Uh, Tigers – And 15, a rookie coach. A rookie coach in that situation is going to be – yeah, going to be tough. Yeah, Andrew Webster? Yeah. At first yeah. I thought it was the journo from Sydney <laughs> Herald doing um, um, moonlighting. I've got the Tigers on seven wins in 15th, the Titans on six wins in 16th. And this surprised a lot of people, but somehow I managed to find five wins for the Dolphins. I think they were around the origin period. And I think I just factored in the Bennett factor where I just randomly said, nah, they'll jag a win. They'll jag Yeah, I, I think come the middle of the year, late in the year, they'll jag a few wins just because they, they got some, some old worries and they got better. And when teams start to, you know, not, start to give up late in the year, yeah. they won't. They won't. Because people forget as bad as the Knights were in that for that third wooden spoon year, we won five games that year. Yeah. You know, we, strung, yeah. We, we strung a few together towards the end. Yeah. So, yeah, when, when you're down and out, you've got nothing to lose. Sometimes you can come out and jag the competition points um but bretto I've, I've got us in in seventh or equal sixth um but probably eighth given i don't think 
I, I, I'd be surprised if teams made a top the top eight with um, more losses than wins. Twelve wins. Do you think we've got twelve wins in in this rugby league team this year? Um, I, I don't. I wouldn't say we we can't win twelve games. I don't think we will. Um, I, I think I think if KP played twenty games, we could probably win half of those. Does that give us ten? Can we jag another two? Yeah, that's that's it's not impossible. It's we've come a long way in twelve months. Remember how bullish we were about this team twelve months ago? We, we yep. were top four, we were top six, top four all the way. And, the, and, and this we, and this team's better than last year's team. Because <laughs> we've got because we've got a halfback. Well, and we've got a functioning hooker as well. No disrespect yeah. to Chris yeah. to Chad Randall, but um, yeah. you know, yeah. but I, but I, yeah, I didn't factor last year how much Braille's been out. It would have hurt us. Yeah, and I didn't think Braille's would be out that long. I thought he went back about round eight or nine. What he came up fifteen or sixteen or something. Yeah, by the by, then this this the season. And he, and, he, and, he, and he took him. It took him the rest of the year just to get back, you know, yeah. back in, into the groove. He um he was himself, but but no, I I think that I think I I think our floor in terms of wins is probably six six wins. You know, that because you're probably fifteenth. Um, I think our ceiling in terms of wins is probably yeah twelve, which gets you around the back end of the eight. Um. I'll say this, what I hope about this team this season is that we don't get a repeat of the toys out of the cot reaction to adversity last year. So I don't care. I've prepared myself for the fact that we're going to lose a lot. But what I hope is that they're not game over by 10 minutes losses. Like I, I, was, I would like us to be competing for at least an hour before I know what the result's going to be. Especially at home. Like, at home, how many times at home did you barely sit in your seat and the game was over? Well, uh, Maitland Mumbler said it. He just yeah. said, um, he just said, I go to enjoy, uh, be with my mates, watch the game of footy. Game would be over before I sat down. I'm like, why am I here? Well, why do I keep coming to this? And the person I felt the most for last year was absolutely my cousin. Yeah. Driving. Can you imagine driving to Sydney driving from Sydney to Newcastle, knowing you are driving for two and a half hours, knowing that the game will be over after 10 minutes. You are driving for two and a half hours to enjoy something for five minutes to sit through 75 more minutes of pain. And you know that you're doing that to yourself 12 times a year. And in the rain after the season, rain after the season, we're doing mm. it in the wet. Like it's like, it, yeah, last year was miserable. Hey, I want to ask you something else. Like, can we talk? I'm surprised we haven't talked more about KP, not just this episode, but genuinely this year. Um, what's what's going to happen with uh, his head knocks, mate? Is he just going to keep getting taken out? Is is he going to have to defend it? What is he going to have to attack the 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 line differently, knowing that he's not protected? What does he do to avoid uh, another concussion and potentially career-ending um, head knock? Well, I don't think he can because like, he's he's marked. Like every even in the trials, they started taking they started hitting him high as soon as he ran the football. So I, against um, the eels, against the eels, the first two contacts he, were, were both to the head. Yeah, yeah. So I don't I don't think he can do anything. The, the difference this year, I hope, is that Jack Hetherington. The first time someone whacks him in the head, Jack Hetherington whacks about five of them in the head, and I'll gladly take him getting sent off and us getting towed up because of it. We'll if set up just, if he we'll just set up. draws the line in the sand and says this is not happening again. We'll set up GoFundMe pages to to pay for yep. the fines. Like it's, um, 
we we need to make a stand. The players can't just go, oh, you know, the referee will deal with it because we lose our best player for the last 75 minutes and have no chance of winning the game, and teams know that's now a viable tactic. We've gotten... Um, and the thing oh, is, because of, because of KB's history, the Knights are so, um, so wary of it, they don't even need to hit him hard enough to get a suspension. They can hit him hard enough to cop a $1,200 fine, and KP won't play again the rest of the game because the Knights won't risk it. Rightly yeah. so. Rightly so. Well, no, that's, it's, it's funny. You know, I think you and I have discussed this before. Um, <laughs> maybe we should sort of end the, end the podcast after this episode because I've got a feeling we're going to recycle a lot of material. But it dawned on me uh, we would be no-time premiership winners under the current rules. Because Andrew Johns, yeah. well, Andrew Johns, first of all, doesn't play very any of the finals games in um, 20, 2001 because he misses yep. the majority of the game of the Roosters. We're not winning that. He's not backing up in the second week and we'll, we'll 2002 style get knocked out in straight sets. Yeah. And then in 1997, with the hits that he's sort of taking against the Eels, broken ribs, punctured lungs, he's not yep. lining up again. That's no. it. So, no. yeah, so under the current yep. rules, we would not be winning. We'd be zero-time premiership winners. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that's my fear with KP is that you can't, and rightly so, you can't push through that pain barrier anymore because it's to your long-term detriment. But um, I just, I just don't know what they do about protecting him. And it's gone, and as I said, it's gone over the line to the point now where he'll get a very minor tap where a lot of players will come back from the HIA. Whereas even if he passes, the Knights won't put him back on for for the right reasons. So it's gone to the point now where we can't protect him because he just gets a whack and we just take him off because that's the right thing to do. And there's nothing we can do about it. Um, and, yet, and, yet, and yet our fans call him soft and whatnot and just, yeah. Look, I'll I, I tell you what, you've sort of gone to town on, on the Roosters tonight. You, you know that there's one particular media operator on Twitter who I just revile in every way, shape or form. And the way that particular media pundit has just inflamed, it's not a Newcastle personality, so it's its not Barry Tui, but has just inflamed the scenario around this um, this uh, idea that Caelan Ponga is weak. It's just such a low-rent, cowardly um, agenda to push. For what? To get, to get clicks? Like, like, are you that – can you not – you can't tell me. You can't tell me that just writing something – you could be critical of him without having to lean on that won't get you the same amount of clicks as just continuously spreading this uh, pathetic sort of line that he's soft and that he's, you know, that he's weak and um, every opportunity he does something wrong to sort of keep grinding away on that fucking axe – um, just to just to get a, a win a bit of a popularity contest online, I just oh I hate it. I hate thinking about it. And also, if it's if you are you talking about the person I think you're talking about who happens to be a Roosters fan, um, I was always of the opinion that he did that because he was trying to get Kayla driven out out of Newcastle and his price driven down to so the Roosters could snap him up. Really, that was always my opinion of it. Yeah. Yeah, right. No, I, I look, I, I genuinely don't know what the reasoning is behind it. Um, but, um, oh, look, you know, I'll die, I'll die for Kalen. I, I still maintain he's the best signing this club has ever made since Andrew Johns. And I, say to, he, I say to people that say, people say, what does Kalen do? What is, 
without Kalen, we are the Dragons. We are irrelevant. At least the Dragons have got Ben Hunt. Mm. Without Kalen, we are irrelevant. We have mm. zero star power. We'll be playing at 3 o'clock and six, three o'clock on a Saturday, 6 o'clock on a Friday every week because no one will watch us. Cause, mm. you know, and, it, and people don't understand that. Kalen is literally the only star, the only person that people want to watch play football. And what always get, and I guess this is what always gets me. It's the same reason I get worked up over Andrew Johns. Actually, I have an apology to a couple of people. I was um, I was a bit worked up on the Bay Fifty Three socials, and I took something someone said about Joey personally. But that's my thing. Doesn't sound like but, you at all. No, no, no. It's, it's completely out of the blue. Um, but everyone sort of loves to have a shot at. Well, particularly me. I don't know if you cop it so much. They're like, they're like, oh, can't we say anything bad about Kalen? Here's the thing. That's all you do. <laughs> That's when I'm like, there's so much commentary I see online. All you do is bag him. And I'll tell you one thing I would rather be obsessed about praising this guy than being obsessed about finding every opportunity I can to knock him down. Because forget about being a Knights fan, Kalen Ponga being good is just good for rugby league. It's the same. It's the same way that Andrew Johns being good for rugby at Newcastle was just good for rugby league, because that's what people wanted to watch. Because it got bums on the seat. See, it's the same thing with Kalen Ponga. Kalen Ponga performing well is a good thing for rugby league, and so that's that's the thing. That, be critical of, absolutely be critical of it. But what I'm saying is, I don't see how it's all bad, because it's just not. It is just not as bad as people make it out to be when it comes to Kalen, and I, I, it continues to ba- uh, boggle people, my mind. Do people honestly think that if we sold Kalen's million dollar contract for two five hundred thousand dollar players, we would be better? No, well, simply no. And the 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 illogical attacks on him. Because someone, someone really irritated. Like someone irritated me. There was a post about the, the irrational uh, reaction to Kalen Ponga and his family. Like someone blamed Kalen because we didn't sign Dom. Like that's the extent to which yeah. Yeah. we've like we 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 are we're going insane, people. <laughs> Dom Young not signing with the club. Literally, literally, in like the actual dictionary definable sense of the word, literally has nothing to do with Kalen Ponga. And what and what irritates me the most is that there's this fine margin for perfection that Knights fans demand of the Newcastle Knights when it comes to recruitment. We successfully re-signed Kalen. Oh, we paid too much for him. We let Dom Young go. Why didn't we offer more money? You can't have it both ways, everyone. <laughs> and and one and one plays in the spine and one plays on the wing. Yes, yeah, we, we we paid we probably paid overs for a generational talent in the spine. I'm willing to take that risk, <laughs> but what I'm not willing to do is to repeat the mistake we made with Akila Uati off a 19 year old winger who had one good season in a poorly performing team. So, look, you know, we're probably going to say it a lot. I don't know if we're going to do it weekly, but get up, just back Kalen, back Kalen Knights fans. He is, we are, he, our season is going to be made or broken off the back of what he delivers for. And I guarantee, I, I guarantee you that those players know, they absolutely know when the, when fans are um, supporting them. And look, I'm a massive Arsenal fan, and they're having a great Premier League season at the moment. Touchwood, and they mm. say it. They say it. 
Well, Liverpool used to say it as well when they were doing well, you know, before this season. They always say it. The fans, we, we hear the fans and we thank you for the fans. You played your part. We, you, you know, we um, we heard you and we wanted to, you know, back Kalen, just back him, please. I beg of you people, back Kalen. That is my plea for Newcastle Knights fans I'll, to I'll, get, I'll make a, get behind our captain. I'll make a promise to our listeners. This year, we will not make excuses for Kalen. Everything is in his favour. He's, he's got the position he wanted to play, wanted to play 5-8. He's got a controlling halfback to help him run the team. He's got a fullback that can help him. The Caleb's not the focal point of the attack. He's got a fullback that can do the same sort of things in attack. There's no excuses. Obviously, the head knocks, the injuries, they're all things that you know, affect Caleb. But we won't make excuses for him if he doesn't put, put it together. But one thing we won't do is just attack him because the Knights aren't winning. That's exactly, yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's funny you should say that. I, ha- I, was, I was talking with a Roosters fan over the weekend. Uh, he's obviously buoyant about the Roosters. And he he, he wheeled out that same line about Kalen in that, oh, he performs qu- well in, in state of origin. He only performs well when other players are around him. And because this guy was making my coffee, I didn't want him to piss in it. But it's all I could do not to say is that, no, he, he does perform like that for the Knights as well. It's just that he doesn't have the players around him to benefit off it. <laughs> that's, and and yeah. I think that's what annoys me about it is that it becomes the chicken and the egg argument with Kalen is that people say, well, he only performs well because he's got good players around him. No, <laughs> the teams win in origin because he's still playing well, but he's got the right the players around him that can take advantage of it. And I think I just I think there's more likely a chance that we'll see a bit more of that this year, notwithstanding the fact that I, I'm you know twelve wins. If we can get twelve wins, that will be a good season. The, 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 a great the, season. The Kalen half break becomes a try on origin, whether that's because someone backs up, he gets the ball away, or he gets tackled in a quick play of the ball, and then Munster rolls off it. That's Kalen does the same thing he does for the Knights, but Queensland turned into tries. Well, look, but you look at the the trial game against the Eels. Off the back of a, a Marshu break, quick play the ball, Kalen fires yeah. space, releases Bradman. Yeah. That's yeah. what that's what he does at Origin, but the difference was there. He had the players there. He had the cattle to take advantage of his vision and what he had to yeah. offer. Yeah. yeah. I'd, back Kalen. Let's let's get on board with Kalen. If he's rubbish, we will call him out for it, but we just haven't seen it yet to, to warrant that criticism. And uh, I'm telling anyone now, anyone now that comes into our socials comments and bags him for getting a head knock will be blocked immediately. We're yeah, not fair call. We're, we're not putting up with it this year. Yeah, no, no, no response. No response will be given either. It's just, um, I think. Actually, I think I think we've set people a challenge now, mate. <laughs> mate, we've been talking for far too long. Um, a couple of things, though, we, we should probably sign off shortly. Actually, I'm glad we recorded. It's uh, it's gotten the juices flowing a little bit. I, I must admit, um, it's been it's just been a weird off season, um, and I think. I think the knock about not playing in Magic Round as well has actually upset me a little yeah. more than I sort of wanted to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I, I actually am glad that we did record because it's got me very excited. Mate, uh, one thing that we are going to do again this year, though, is the Robbie M's. Uh, we do still think that it's a war- it's an award that the players are aspiring to win. Um, but I think we've agreed. It's... Even though the top of the table last year in that award, but one's left the club and one's leaving the club. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's why Dom is going to the Roosters. He's achieved everything he set out to achieve at the Newcastle Knights by by taking he's out. He's going the... down and rubbing, 
going down and rubbing Teddy's face. That's what he's yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is something you'll never had to have Tedesco. Um, so we are going to do the Robbie M's again this year. We'll um, we'll put out our email address for anybody who's interested on the socials. Um, but I think votes every round is – we're done with that. That's that's too much hassle and it's it's too hard to relive – the the pain because <laughs> i think we got to about round 10 and people are like this is really hard man <laughs> don't make us relive this so that we can keep giving out points so i think we're going to do blocks of votes um um you know a vote for vote for the players every six rounds and then we'll tally we'll tally up the four lots of uh, of votes at the end of the season i think that's the way to do it and what we might do is before we put those votes in over six rounds, we might just do a quick little post, like a little sum up of the team's results and a couple yeah. of key stats, just just to jog your memory. Yeah, 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 just to give a reminder. But um, the Robbie M's are back. They're badder and better than ever, um, if that's possible. That's ba- badder and better is the, the Knights' uh, ethos. Um, and let's see which, which play we can drive out of the club this time. <laughs> KP, KP's not winning it, by the way. Mate, do we want to do? Uh, do we want do, do we want to do a very 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 quick um, tips for the round? And we'll just we'll just fire them off now. Like yep. you said, this is probably a hard one. It's the season kicks off on Thursday. Eels hosting the Storm. Uh, good again, Melbourne. Twenty years can't can't go against it. Uh, Knights will beat the beat the Warriors. I think. Look, I think we're going to tip the Knights no yep. matter what. Uh, okay, can the Broncos upset the Panthers at home? Uh, yes. Will they? Um, yeah, I, I would I would probably tip them, yep. No, I'm, I'm going to stick with the Panthers on that. I think um, only the rarest of rare talents in Andrew Johns are capable of beating the Panthers as, as reigning, reigning premiers <laughs> in round one at Penrith. Uh, so the Eagles hosting the Bulldogs Saturday afternoon. Uh, Manly. Yeah. Cowboys hosting the Raiders, 5.30. Cowboys. Now, Sharks for the Saturday night game uh, hosting the Rabbitohs. Uh, uh, South. I, I think this is the year Latrell Mitchell puts it all together and becomes the best player in the game. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, okay. How much are the Roosters... Serious question here. How much are the Roosters beating the Dolphins by on Sunday? Four o'clock game. Jesus. Uh, in Sydney? No, no, it's up at Redcliffe. Up there, up there. Oh, oh, in, sorry, in, it's up in Brisbane. It's up in Brisbane. In, in in the heat, I will say the Roosters will win by 30. I think 40, at least. Only because I think they'll get 30 in front and, and just switch off. Oh, yeah. No, and sorry. Yeah, no, that makes sense. But the other thing is, though, is that, I mean, do you want to take the points differential bump against the Dolphins while you can? Yeah, it's not about yeah. Because yeah. yeah. Dolphins will get better. The, yeah. I just... I just cast yeah. the Dolphins winning that game on, on Sunday. The Roosters with too much to prove. Um, Tigers hosting the Titans at 6 o'clock Sunday. Uh, uh, Tigers. Yeah, I think the Tigers will do that. Guys, um, there are your 8 from 8 tips. Uh, do remember to also gamble responsibly. Look, we are still uh, unofficially sponsored by A-plus Contracting and Polywelding, so we do thank them for the support that they do offer us. Um, we are excited about another year being on um, Big T's Sports uh, Best Friends Network. And, um, yeah, any final thoughts, Brett? I'll bring it on, I say. We're, um, we're uh, oiled up and ready to be tagged in. Yeah, let's have a crack at United fans. As I've said already earlier, I think the club's let us down. 
let's get to the games, let's show the support, let's do our part, and if the club don't respond, well, then that's on them. Absolutely. Um, enjoy the footy this weekend, everybody, and, uh, yeah, we'll see you on the socials. See you guys. But I, I still like my Roosters take. Like, that's not just a hot take. I truly believe that. They, they Holy shit! That was amazing on the front page. I thought, um, I thought you were going to they, be like, why would they pay half for Dom Young? Yeah, There's I don't, no yeah. reason for half for Dom Young when they need forwards. None. Yeah. No. It's like, they, well, no. Like I said, I, I think they know Suali. I think they've got redundancy now. Suali goes to rugby next year, so I think that's the thinking behind it. Um, but certainly. Back to what we said. Well, okay, if you need a good, it's not Dom Young. Dom Young no. is not Joseph Suwali. Go and go and chase Katoni Stags or someone. You know, someone that you could, you could get him out of there if you wanted to. Yeah. Brisbane yeah. would have Brisbane would happily let Katoni Stags' contract walk. Yeah, no, I can see that. Um, all right. Will we get into? Um, are you happy to do the season preview? Yep. Yep. Sports Best Friends would like to thank you for listening right to the end. You are our kind of people. Find other great sports podcasts in our family by subscribing. And remember, social media isn't a bad place. You just need to follow the right people.